Simply Savage, Episode 5, Mini-Me. Welcome to Simply Savage, the podcast that talks about how to keep savage worlds fast, furious, and fun. I am Ron Blessing. And I'm Christian Serrano. And in this episode, we have a quasi-special guest joining us. Hey. We have a very special guest joining us, actually, and we're rather excited. We have Mr. Sean Patrick Fannin here to talk about using miniatures and maps in your Savage Worlds games. Oh, Welcome, yeah. Sean. You know I love my toys, don't you, Ron? Yes, I do. I do know that. So I recall an episode of uh, Smiling Jack's Bar and Grill where yep. you guys had the epic debate. Oh about God. whether or not to use minis. <sighs> that's not what we're here for, but if you guys want to debate that, that's cool too. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. This is the so, night where we acknowledge the superiority acknowledge of the superiority. awesome toys and maps and stuff. It's well, an election year, so I'm going to say that my opinion regarding miniatures has evolved. Excellent. <laughs> well that's spoken, fair. sir. Well spoken. Yeah. I got you a few delegates right there. That's, that's right. Fair. I I haven't flip-flopped. I haven't waffled. I I have evolved. (laughs) (laughs) And here's the thing. I will also say that my position on not using miniatures hasn't evolved at all. I'm firm. I stand firm. I've been saying the same thing for 40 years. That's because you're a loser. But that's cool, though. So, so I, I do want I do want to promise that we're not going to harass you about Savage Rifts. And with that said, tell us what's going on with Rifts right now. Yeah, well, <laughs> saw that one coming a mile away. All right, so uh, still working on books, and uh, I am allowed to say certainly this year. And uh, I, if I say anything more, I know that somehow Jody from North Carolina will somehow reach all the way to Denver, Colorado and backhand me across the back of the head I believe through it. the internet, um, mm-hmm. through the internet. Uh, but I can say that uh, the, the books that have been done so far, people are very excited about. We've had a, a lot of beautiful art done that uh, everyone's incredibly excited, including Kevin Simbita. Um, he's been very pleased with the stuff he's seen rules material wise, the, the convention games that have been showing off both the core, like the core, what we're calling iconic frameworks, such as juicer and glitter boys and things like that. Both Savage and Rifts fans have been tremendously excited. And then just this year I've started, I launched a new convention scenario called enter the odd squad, which is a mashup of Savage settings. Uh, there's a Texas Ranger harrowed with a robot horse uh, done in what we call the Mars concept, which is Mercenaries, Road Directors, Rogues, and Scholars, which is how we balance the less, oh my god, giant boom gun and giant magic characters alongside everybody else by giving them much more experience and much more cool stuff. Uh, so there's a Texas Ranger who's, who's got that going on. There's a Roman Legionnaire from Weird Wars Rome who's a Cyber Knight. There's a, a Cursed Golem who's a Techno Wizard and so on. Uh, and that's been incredibly successful too. So we've shown that both Savage concepts and Rift concepts mash up beautifully uh, under the Savage Rift stuff. And uh, I'm, I'm currently working on – I mean you got to realize this is a whole series of books. This is not one book. This is a bunch of stuff. Um, right. that we're, we're going to be launching with and, and we're nailing all of those out and, and I'm, I'm having to reach across a hundred books worth of content uh, to make sure we're featuring the stuff that people are going to be excited about and, and want to see first uh, and uh, it's just it's, it's been incredibly exciting it's also been the most challenging design work of my life uh, there's just no question that making this thing fast, furious and fun under Savage World's rules while at the same time fulfilling the expectations of, of Rifts fans who've been waiting for something like this for decades 
there's no pressure, no pressure at all. Give me that heroin. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's been no, no pressure, but if you screw this up, you're going to ruin everything. Yeah, I know. I know. The, the entire internet will hate you. Yeah, you the whole uh, the internet. Right? Yeah, will become an internet meme of the worst kind. I'm sure. So, but uh, so, so far, so, so fingers me, crossed, and and, and uh, knock on wood, uh, it's been going incredibly well. That's let good. me let me ask one question here. I know that that uh, you're the brand manager for Riffs. Yep. Um. So, can you tell us anything about your team? Well, yeah. Uh, Ross Watson is acting as uh, well. Actually, he is project manager uh, on the Evil Beagle side of things. He's been right. interfacing with Aaron Acevedo, who's the art director, of course, for all things Savage. And this is this is a Pinnacle product. It, it, this product is interesting because it is actually a joint venture between Pinnacle, Evil Beagle, and Palladium. Now, Palladium in this case is pretty much you know, just from the from the authorization and, and licensor side of license, things. right? Yeah. Uh, so they're they, they're doing all the approvals and stuff like that. But you know, they are definitely part of this. This is not. They fire and forget thing. They're they're very much involved. Um, but uh, I mean, Jody, you know, handles the the larger you know picture of all things Savage and all things Pinnacle these days, and she's involved. Clint Black has been involved from a rules uh, process. In fact, uh, I flew out to North Carolina, sat down with him, and we had an amazing session together uh, where we worked out the core rules for the players' guide. We've had. Uh, uh, an amazing session where both Ross and I went down to Arizona and met with uh, Shane and, and worked with several people, Michael Kahn and um, uh, uh, John Wick and Jimmy Messias uh, and had some, some great play testing and, and, you know, hammering some stuff out. So, you know, definitely credits you know, there for some initial you know uh, involvement. Um, so, and Ross is also handling uh, layout. He's working very closely with graphics and layout with Aaron on that. So he's got a lot of experience in that. He actually did write part of the GM's guide as well. He helped me out a lot with uh, a lot of the world book information that goes in the GM's guide. So we could you know, get that knocked out faster. He's, he and I consult all the time. So, you know, Ross has definitely had a, a voice and a hand in a lot of this. Um, and, uh, but, you know, at the same time, uh, I'm, I've been doing a va- the vast majority of the work. We, we've just recently talked to Daryl Hayhurst about uh, getting involved. Uh, he's somebody we're really excited about working with uh, in the future for some things. And and, and that door is going to open up further as we get a lot of the core stuff done. Um, so, you know, that's that's where we are at this point. Awesome. Awesome. Nice. Very nice. And, um, and Daryl's actually a, a friend. He's in my gaming group. Yeah, Daryl's so. uh, Daryl Daryl's awesome. We, we had a chance to talk with him because Shane, Jody, Clinton, and me, uh, and then you know Daryl was at Genghis Khan as well. So yep. that turned out to be a fantastic time for us to talk. But the thing is, uh, so much of this is so peculiar in terms of expressing the vision and making sure that the design concepts are savage, but also rifts. So I've held pretty tightly onto the initial work to make sure that these things are expressed the right way and are all integrated all in the same basic paradigms, which I know sounds like I'm just much corporate speak, but it really is true. There's some very important core ideas that make this work. So I'm trying to make sure that all the initial material is solid and homogenous and and integrated uh, in a way that it all makes sense so that as we do open the door and more people start to get involved in the possibility, because this has got a lot, a lot of potential for being an ongoing line for quite some time. Right. Right. And right. so we want to establish a strong framework so people know when they're writing and working on stuff like this, that it's, you know, that's, 
you know, we got to follow how this was done because it yeah, all you plays Yeah, you want to bring consistency that. to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So you can right. assure, you be rest assured that this is going to be my freaking life for a while. So, so last question before we get into our topic. Sure. And, and that is, um, has, has Kevin Sambita played Savage Worlds? And is he playing it now or, or what's his involvement as far as that goes? I know that you said he has to approve what you guys write. Right. So he's got a bunch of people on his end who are both Savage Worlds fans and Rifts fans. Uh, or maybe reverse that in terms of order, but still the same thing. And he's, he's had them going through and play testing and, and they've had some feedback. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, we, we, we definitely, you know, involve them in that feedback. And in fact, as you just reminded me, I need to make sure he gives me a couple of names so I can put them in the uh, play test credits. Um, oh. But, uh, um, you know, he's, you know, they looked at it, we addressed their concerns, we made a couple of changes based on their various student observations, and then that sort of informed some other decisions that, you know, it sort of all kind of boiled forward. But as far as Kevin's concerned, I'm pretty, I think he's pretty locked in with what he's doing. Right. Right I mean, he's, he's got so much still going on. He's still publishing Rift's products. He's still publishing Robotech products. He's, he's uh, pretty locked in. I'll say he and I are both guests at GrandCon. Uh, this year, later this year, we, they're making us special guests, uh, guests of honor, I guess. And, uh, you know, he's going to be running some straight up riff stuff. And of course, I'm going to be running some Savage Rift stuff. And it is my sincere hope I can get him to a Savage Rift table so he can see it and play it just once. I don't know if we'll manage it, but it is something I intend to work on. Awesome. Awesome. We'd cool. love to hear back if that happens. Oh, yeah. Me too. I mean, I, I'd cool. love to see what happens there. I hope he loves yeah. it. I, I we'll see. I know awesome. he's excited about the prospect. I know he the big thing that that sold him on this, uh, aside from the here are friends, and I have a great deal of respect for him, and 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 just was a matter of respect of Kevin. I think this would be a good idea, but the reason I, I thought it was a good idea is what he bought into, which is exposing riffs to a whole new generation of people and a whole new slew of people who who've not played, or maybe they played a long time ago, but then they moved on to other systems, but they'd like to come back to the table and check it out, you know, through another portal. And, and uh, he, he recognized that Savage Rolls has got a lot of fans. Um, he, he's very impressed with it. He really likes Shane. So he's like, you know what, this would be a great audience to reach out to. Let's try it. Well, and the other thing about it is that his uh, books, we, I mean, it's not just mechanics. It's not just, you know, setting material, it's all kind of weaved together. Uh-huh. So it's it's good for him because obviously people are going to go back and look at those books. Oh, well, that's exactly true. Mind material. Yeah, because we're not reprinting all that, right? We're not just right. reprinting all that. We're giving the, the, the a solid, you know, condensed, uh, I'd like to believe, well said, you know, of overviews and evaluate, you know, you know, easy to get into. But right. Um, summaries of these ideas but we are absolutely pushing the idea that if you want all of the content you want all of that information all that deep history and all that deep background you've got to grab the, the original riffs books because you're going to you'll read this much about juicers here but then go get the juicers uprising and these other books because you're going to get so much more about their culturally and otherwise than what you're going to get just from this awesome well uh good luck on this it's Thank really you. exciting keep keep it rolling um, I expect uh, Daryl to be uh, hopefully running some play tests at my table, and um, so it'll be some good times. He may be in a position to do so soon. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. Anyway, um, before we roll into our topic, I want to give kind of a, a sequel to our original discussion where we argued about this way back on either episode one or two of Smile and Jack's Bar and Grill, right? Uh, ancient and. History. And I have to. I want to update people on my on my general view 
of using miniatures. I don't use miniatures for every combat, but I use them for like the big combats. Um, if there's a thing where we're in a, a quick tight space where, you know, being loose with where things are is going to be easy and fast, then definitely I still go without the minis, but right. I definitely bust out the minis when it comes to those big set piece type of combats. Um, I just ran a, a, a one shot of Accursed and I did a, a Shane's Adventure and the title is escaping me right now. Um, but there's this uh, big battle at the end and everybody at the, at the in the battle was a wild card. And so wow. I wanted to have everybody, you know, so they can know exactly where their character was and keep track of things like areas of effect and things. So for right. that, we drew up a map and I busted out the tactiles and, and we went at it that way. But earlier on in that adventure, there's this like simple thing involving a couple of swarms. And I used the tabletop, but I didn't draw any maps out. Well, like I used a grid. That makes sense. That makes made it sense. super simple. Yeah. You know, so. because the templates, right, and who's in them and who's not, you know, uh, and all that. And we'll, 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 that's why I've always felt, you know, right. some characters by fleet footed, some characters have different ranges on their weapons. All of those, you, you yeah. make them not matter if you ignore these rules. However, because of this cool thing Shane came up with recently, the quick battle rules. Uh, I now have a tool I feel comfortable with in not using miniatures and not using the tabletop and in fact completely abandoning them for certain combats. That's a really I just good point. I just yeah. wanted a, a set of rules that that acknowledged fairly how it worked. You know, doing it without you're still going through all the other mechanic parts of the combat, but ignoring you know, positioning and ranging uh, to me, it just never felt right because you right. Know, there are characters who there are players who build their characters based on the I run faster, or I took a character that runs slower because I took these hindrances. And if you don't use miniatures, they don't matter. Right. That doesn't feel fair. Um, or, or just quite frankly, of course, the original argument: I just don't know what the hell's going on. I'm not that visually oriented. However, because these new quick battle rules that have been out there, and I'm really looking forward to to seeing them pro- propagate. I've used them now very successfully. And they they do a more summarized thing of okay we're gonna have this quick little situation you know it's a great for a montage where like you're running through the jungle right. and fighting a bunch of guys or you know there's this quick little you know preliminary battle where you're finding your way through the front gates yeah. to get inside of the, the the castle to do the big battle and that say everybody just takes a turn and describes something cool and then we we make a basic roll and that works brilliantly and it completely eliminates the need for for maps and miniatures and I'm comfortable with that so. Right joke from previous you know before aside both of our positions evolve somewhat uh, yep. in, in my case it's thanks to a rule set or a, a, a rules addendum that i think works to savage rules advantage in that respect uh whereas you know you've kind of come and said uh, there are times when it's important for the big battles where it's really important to be sure everybody's comfortable with where they are and what's going on so they, there you go we grow very cool very cool so um, on the grid, off the grid, Christian, why don't you bring that in? Yeah, so um, the, the Savage Worlds Core Rules talks about using a grid to easily uh, track, me- you know, measurement distances and so on, which, I, you know, that's that's great. That's what I learned how to play on and so on. Um, I think there's a lot of advantage to using a grid-based system, whether you're using hexes or squares or whatever it might be, simply because you can just eyeball it, right? You don't have to sit there and count every inch 
for for simple things um you know if i'm if i've got a swarm of zombies you know heading toward the building uh you know i can just easily kind of eyeball you know how many squares that might be right uh if it's if it's rough terrain for example maybe as you know i count one less square or something to that effect um off the grid though the reason why i sort of like the off the grid approach personally uh even back when playing like d20 and, and games like that where you know you had squares and you know well what happens if you're trying to move diagonal and you can only move in these certain angles or you have to like hop over it's like you're playing chess kind of in a weird way what i really like about taking an off the grid approach meaning not using a grid at all if you look at savage worlds as a whole it's just using inches it's a very fluid you know it doesn't matter what angle you're going at six inches is six inches right it was originally a war game right i mean oh yeah the rigid the origins of savage worlds is great rail wars which was right. a totally non-gridded you know use tape measures it was a right. war game that's all still true, and and, yes. and you're not wrong at all. Uh, however, uh, I'm a Paizo flip mat uh, subscription holder. Oh yeah, I yeah, have I flip mats. all of them. I mean, every single one of them, and uh, I can't I can't run without them. Uh, they're they're brilliant. Of course, I, I also go out of my way to buy all these other maps because I'm currently looking at the battle stations, uh, you know, map sets that they've got, uh, and I'm trying to figure out a way to get my hands on those. And I've got some spaceship maps and. And so uh, for me, uh, especially because I do a lot of convention running, uh, I want it as fast as possible. And yes. honestly, on the grid is faster. Um, I've got the maps already figured out. People just count the squares brilliantly, if not realistically. And Savage Worlds, I'm not worried about realism. I'm worried about pulp action fun and cinema. So yes, go diagonal. It's the same as straight. Nobody cares. And right. uh, just count the squares. Go, go, go. Uh, so to me... Uh, because of my love of those maps and because of you know what i uh, i feel like p- players are mostly used to is they they can see the spaces they move the spaces it's just like back, you, know, you know playing jess or life you know, count the spaces and go um i i tend to prefer that however i have seen off the grid used extremely well and when you have gorgeous terrain and giant castle towers and all right. these other cool things that you can get from miniatures gaming um it's a damn shame not to use them. So you're not going to get me to argue against the, 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 the tape measure approach. Uh, if you have the train and you have the materials on hand, you can do a big setup, uh, a good, nice set piece battle. It works either way perfectly well. I like, so, so I like what a lot of the, uh, the guys um, back East do. And I, I saw this uh, at Mace and I saw it at um, origins. And a lot of the guys will use the big terrain set pieces and they'll just lay down a mondo mat underneath it and then put yeah. those those cool terrain pieces just on top of the mat so you have the best of both worlds you got those those great features and then you still have that grid there to make it you know make it easier to do out your you know your inches and and I was going to add too that truthfully what I actually do is a hybrid approach where I'll have the grid map that I use and um you know, once people start counting and they're like, well, you know, this is diagonal, da, da, da. I'm like, don't worry about that. Just go any direction you want and just put yourself inside of a square once you get there. So it's kind of, and then I use the squares for things like, are you one inch away? Are you adjacent? Yeah. And those kinds of things. Yeah, that, that's the only thing that uh, off the grid sometimes makes difficult is you end up sometimes with some, you know, weird spacing between right. characters and melee, yep. you know, whether you're adjacent or not. I mean, it's easy enough to eyeball. Jim can just make a call, but the squares make it, you know, absolute, right? You know, I either made, I either, you know, my, my eight square movement got me there or it didn't. 
you yeah. know, and you just know, right? Yep. Which is why, right. but at the same time, there's also the fiddliness of, you know, people bump the table or somebody wasn't clear. They just stuck some miniatures out there. It's like, guys, please put them in the squares in the square, because yes. it matters when melee comes up, okay? That's right. When you when you move away, do they get a free attack? You yeah, know, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Or do they have reach? I mean, those things do matter. They are part they of the game. I mean, Shane never said this was not a crunchy game. He just said it wasn't a complex game. And I, that's been the brilliance of Savage Worlds from the right. beginning. It is a crunchy game that is extremely easy to pick up and play. Rules simple, not rules light. Exactly. Yep. So yep. with that in mind, you know, there's, there's, how do you do this, right? So, yeah. you know, tape measure can be deadly at the table if, if handled by the wrong person who retracts yes. it in the wrong way. But it's, Oh, look, sweep. There goes everything. Oh, yeah. God, my finger. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, the 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 benefit of that of, of having the measuring tape is again, if if you do want to just do free form ranges and distances, it's a quick, easy way to do that. Honestly, I don't get even too particular about is that you know, do you put yourself in front of the ruler at the end or behind the end or whatever? I just like just move it. I don't I don't even care, quite honestly. Um, you know, so, the funny thing though is I've I've had plenty of situations, and interesting enough, mostly because of Savage Riffs. Um, Okay, so things are done a bit bigger. In fact, as I, Ron, I can definitely see you as retreating many battles as, you know, we're going to have to do off the grid because you have a glitter boy with a boom gun whose ranges are, you know, from here to half a mile away sometimes right. and, and crazy shit like that. So, sorry, crazy stuff like that. Sorry, you have to edit that out. Um, but uh, uh, you, you get some crazy ranges. You just have to because it's sci-fi and, and that's what's going on. But uh, uh, I have had situations where, people are dealing with they're off the map and then trying to move on to the map and i've just gone so far as saying the character's base fits in the square so just count bases like do pick the thing up and go one two three four to like counting like it's it's base movement right you know I, from from end to end base you know like moving toy soldiers when you used to play toy soldiers right and that works too so well that you know that that actually brings me to to something i i had um sort of dogged for later um I've I've had situations where I'm in combat, right? I'm in, you know, we're doing miniature combat and so on and so forth. But then we're kind of transitioning into something that might turn into like a chase, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how have I've I've had difficulty with that? Like, when does it become a chase versus when does it stay? And by chase, I mean actual formal chase rules, you know, by the core rules, uh, versus the on the grid, well, you know, miniature combat. My answer. How, for how that, have you handled that? My my answer for that was easy. Um, you know, at what point, you know, if, if generally speaking, if we're playing on a map and we're always playing on a map with me, uh, if bad guys take off, you know, take off and leave the map, uh, they're going to get away unless somebody decides to go after them. If somebody decides to go after them, they leave the map too. And then that's going to be resolved as a chase. And if there's still combat going on between other characters on the map, then we go ahead and finish that up and say, we'll, we'll handle the chase later. And the chase will involve these characters. If in fact, it's pretty much the end of the battle and just a bunch of guys left and then the group all decides we're going to chase. Then we just move on to the chase thing. And that one absolutely, it, you know, uh, is handled abstractly. Although I do use miniatures to, to handle relative positioning. Um, you know, how Interesting. I, I, I will usually just use like a, a, a blank, you know, uh, either a piece of paper or I'll use one of the, the, the blank, you know, just pure like grass terrain or sand terrain or something like that. Right. And uh, I'll place the miniatures. So there's a, you know, what range, right? Cause range matters if they're using range, if they're actually using range weapons, you know, whether you're right. short, medium or long range. And I'll just use the grids to say, okay, this represents that you're within melee. This represents with your short, medium, long or whatever. Um, 
you know, based on because chase card, right? You, 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 how, what, what card you end up drawing determines what range category you are from right. someone you have advantage on or not advantage on. Right. Um, uh, I'm running Savage Star Wars right now, and I've got a bunch of old, um, uh, what's that called? Crimson Skies. All right. I, they were like 50 cents for a set of this. I, I got tons of them, uh, and I use them to represent enemy spaceships and, and, and good guy spaceships and you know there's space battles all the time uh so I, I do a lot of just relative positioning uh it's like okay you have advantage over these guys so who are you going to attack okay well we're going to attack this guy so we move the ship behind that to represent okay i got my positioning so i still use the miniatures just so people could keep track of who they're up against in the dog fight because and that's an abstracted placement right that's yeah, not like yeah. you're literally in this position no, it's no. just how yeah. close or how far, right? I'm, yeah. behind, right. Or I'm either behind you or I'm ahead of you. you know, right. Either I'm behind you because I have advantage or you're behind me because you have advantage. Um, and also there's a matter of, you know, okay, you got, these bad guys are split up everywhere. You guys are split up everywhere. So, you know, well, I'm going to go over and help him. I've got advantage on his bad guy. But the other guy, you know, my, my ally also is. So, you know, two, two ally ships are behind that particular bad guy group so yeah it's just to keep track of who's blowing who out of the sky kind of thing so it works it works either way from from that but it's important people to see oh i'm right on top of him as opposed to well i'm way back behind this guy in the running chase battle it's still a good idea to visually represent who's closer than who's and who's far away well like you mentioned earlier it's some some people are, are are okay with theater of the mind and some people have a hard time with it uh if you've got enough participants in something as a gm i don't want to fail my players right maybe right. maybe that's maybe that's a weakness of mine but if i use the miniatures then i know i'm being fair right i know i'm right. keeping track of what's going on exactly exactly so what i do when a chase happens in the middle of a combat is i just keep running both because you've you've got the uh you you've got the cards um that are there as your tools you can do that right yeah. yeah i just yeah i just run the chase part at the end of the round that and, works and oh, interesting. That way, nobody's pulled out of the action at the table, and they get this feeling of all this craziness is going on, and it's like an action movie. I've I've rarely had that situation come up. The one time I did, it yeah, is I rare. But you're right; I could totally do that. That's a good it's, idea. It is rare, usually because you know we we, we were trained early on in the hobby uh, to have that mob mentality. So when a chase happens, usually everybody chases. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Right. Right. But. Um, the the couple of times under the deluxe chase rules that that situation has come up, I just keep running both. Yeah, the, the, I guess I didn't think of it because the cards work differently, but they would still work. You could still make the work yep. in sequence. Yep, it, you're still denoting rounds with the cards. Yeah. So just keep going. They just the, the only difference is instead of just getting a card by default the way you do in melee, or yeah. you, you have to roll to see how many cards you get. Sure. But it would still work. Yeah, that's yep. that, that works. I'll have to keep that in mind for later. Yep, definitely. Especially since, as I said, running Savage Rifts, there are plenty of situations where you have guys flying essentially, you know, you know, armored suits with jet engines on their back, you know, and uh, other people with flying abilities who may go flying after them way off the map while the right. Cyber Knight's still fighting a bunch of dead boys. That I could see that being extremely useful. Yeah, definitely, and it's it's also a way you can. The, the, basically, the bottom line is, um, these days I am all about keeping everybody in the action mm-hmm. as yep. much as possible. So, agree. So there you go. Can't argue so, with that. So let's talk about some of these tools that we might use, uh, like physical fun stuff. That's one of the great things about Savage Worlds is it's got all this 
Love this, the toys. The swag yes. <laughs> that we use. Love the to toys. Run the game. My my favorite thing is the uh, the fact that you can um, print the templates, or you can design right. templates, and then print them out on uh, transparency. Mm-hmm. And so you can have you know swarm templates, and you can have flame templates, and you can have you know all that different stuff. It's almost as cool as having specific miniatures. You know, right. uh, you right. give a, a player can design the uh, the templates for her uh, her different arcane powers. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. So if they're using acid or electricity or whatever, yep. I'm yep. I'm spoiled rotten because uh, we got a guy here who's really good at uh, cutting. I guess it's lucite. It's a kind of uh, mm-hmm. nicely brightly colored, very strong plastic. Right. Uh, and he did a set of. You know, absolutely perfect. Uh, you know, according to the the book size templates, uh, he did these plastic, clear plastic ones. He did, you know, you could get them in bright green, you could get them in bright orange. Right. Uh, there was different colors he could do. Uh, there was a set of purple ones he did. We were all begging him, like, dude, you've got to get online and and you know set up a thing so people can buy these because I, I mean, every time I break them out at a convention, people are like, oh my god, I must have them because they're gorgeous. Uh, he did the 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 simple one where it's like a giant circle that has. Uh, uh, inner, you know, etched inner circle, so it has kind of like the Litgo ones. Yes, the Litgo set. Yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. similar to the Litgo set. And uh, yeah. uh, so I have that for all the bursts, and I have uh, or the blasts, I should say. I have the burst cone template. Um, you know, those really. I mean, there. He did a jet template, which I cannot find money anymore, and jet got you know excluded out of the original. It, it, it got kicked out of the rules after it showed up in Fantasy Companion. Uh, so you know that one you could just use a ruler, and I don't know where my jet one is, but we still use jet occasionally for some for Shindar. But uh, anyway, just those two alone. Uh, so yeah, I uh, yeah, and they're and they're so they're solid, right? So they're not kind of flopping everywhere, right? Um, you know, and you just and they're nice and pretty. But yeah, uh, yeah people like having the nice. Uh, they're 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 yeah, Corinthians is from me. They're sixteenth of an inch thick. So, uh, but nice and bright, you know, makes it makes it obvious. Uh, but but I will say that the more flexible, like I, I just cut and print them or put them on transparencies, the flexible ones have a lot of advantage because they're lighter and you can actually sort of just gently lay them on top of the miniatures. Yep. Whereas these big thick plastic ones, you don't always want to do that, especially if it's a nice painted miniature, you want to be careful. So there's advantages right. either side. I know yeah. uh, there was a company that made some, um, they were basically metal frames. I'd love to see those for Savage Worlds. Oh yeah, the outline. You could just put the whole ring down, and yeah. minis can still be there. Say, hey, these are affected. Right. Yeah, I've seen I've seen somebody, but I think that was custom. I think somebody actually yeah. did their own custom version of exactly that. Yep. Yeah, I know somebody bought uh, the brass rings that you can buy at Michaels, and they have them in different, like you know, two inch, four. It's inch just six, four, and two. So yeah, exactly. And they use that for the uh, for the burst. Very so, cool. Yeah, or blast, whichever. I was right. Thinking. It's the, their blast templates because burst blast is the template. cone template. That's right. But then the powers are named anyway. I digress. Powers so, are named backwards. Yes. Yeah. So uh, one of the other things I, I know Licko has, uh, I actually found this and I, I bought it for myself. Um, they have what they call a one-inch linear gauge, and it's uh, it's it's total six inches in length, and on one and it's two inches wide, um, but one side is actually only three inches in length, and so there's it literally has a six-inch side, a three-inch side, a two-inch side, and a one-inch side. I know it's kind of hard to visualize, but we'll have a link in the in the show notes for it. Huh. And uh, what I like about it is that it's great for six inches, which is paste typically, 
Right. Right. And then you have one inch, which is great for like something like reach. So if you're not using a grid, you know, you could just use something like that. Just right. kind of eyeball it. And then of course you have, you know, three inches and two inches as well. And there's also one inch markers on all sides. So if you just want to, you know, measure it out, uh, you can do it. So it's, it's just, it was just such a cool, handy additional tool just for quickly, you know, measuring those kinds of sizes out. Right, and the thing about miniature, new miniatures, I mean, first off, Savage Worlds already handles miniature combat fast and, and, and brilliantly anyway, and that's why it's great as a skirmish set of rules as well as for roleplay. Yeah. But, you know, for those of us who like to run lots of story, lots of roleplay, and lots of action, anything that makes combat faster is yeah. is really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm quite honestly, I, I really do love the tactical aspect of, of RPGs. So, personally... <laughs> I do too. You know, I, I, I'm a big fan of the narrative stuff and, and, and we're, mm-hmm. we're introducing a lot more narrative stuff. Actually, you're going to be surprised at some of the narrative stuff we've, we've, we're pulling in for Savage Rifts and Neat. We're, we're introducing some ideas there that I believe are going to permeate into core rules even, um, Very cool. you know, with character creation and, and being able to tell some interesting stories about your backgrounds as part of your character creation and sharing those stories with other characters as part of the, the, the joint character creation process. I, I'm a big, big fan of, of, how the 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 player empowerment and narrative aspects uh, that have come through the indie game design are really permeating into game design overall. Um, I'm, I'm a big supporter of that, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm always trying to think about ways to fairly employ Benny's, for example, for to, mm-hmm. for you know doing narrative stuff without slowing the game down. But having said that. Um, I was that kid who had thousands of plastic soldiers and tanks and trucks, and we'd even paint them and do all kinds of cool things with them and set up giant diorama style stuff. Nice. As we discovered gaming, you know, we tried to figure out how to use our dice to play with them. Uh, I don't think I'll ever give up on, on that tactical aspect. I don't play war games. uh, I haven't got any miniatures war games. A few times I've ever had a chance to play. I did enjoy them. But I was always seeing a movie in my head and wanting to role play while I was doing it. So I think I'm just stuck in this mode of I want the miniatures and the tactical, but I want it in the role play context. So yeah. that's what works yeah. for me. Right. Right. Very cool. So Sean, you're, you're known for running like really big games. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, I am. And you know, and obviously there, there's, there's also tools for, and, and techniques for managing that. Um, you know, for example, like, you know, obviously when you have a lot of pieces on a table, first of all, just having a lot of pieces on the table, whether it's, you know, minis or tokens or, you know, figure flats. That's one of the things I really love about Savage Worlds is almost every setting, um, whether it's official or licensee, offers figure flats for that are appropriate for the setting. Right. Um, which are great because you can print as many as you want. When I ran Necessary Evil, I was like, I need more of these guys. Print, you know. Um Whereas me, so, I just go around to every single convention, find out who's selling the pre-painted uh, in singles, uh, and have their bins for their you know, their cheap versions, nice. or have the old mage knights. I have thousands of pre-printed plastic minis of every genre and type you could possibly imagine. So you know, everyone counts on me nice. to bring my toys uh, for, <laughs> for, for game night for whatever it is, supers, western. Right. It doesn't matter. Uh, I've got painted. Like, Sean, minis. are you are you coming this week? Because I really need your minis. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. In fact, it's yeah. our back of our car. But I don't even bother taking them out anymore. So. I'll my version. Uh, 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 Corinne actually painted all the Western ones. She has to remind me of that, but that's true. Because nice. um, we did. Nice. There, but anyway, my point is, you're right. There's there's all of that, and I do run on occasion <laughs> some some pretty big damn tables full of miniatures. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So how do you how do you? Um, well, let's talk about like you know. First of all, we got you know 
Savage Worlds has some conditions, and they're pretty basic. It's like up, down, or off the table, right, type scenario. So we have well, condition tokens. Well, there's uh, there's a few more things that you can employ, right? So yeah, uh, what you know, parry penalties. You know, whether right. someone is uh, you know, you know uh, prone or crouching, which you know can come up, and uh, if somebody's in in dark, there's there's lots of things that that can be employed and there's this amazing set of tokens that they've actually done recently the savage world status token sheets which i've gotten a ton of those i know they're awesome um they're uh, really cool just for the wound levels right you got the wound level you know whatever wound level they're on whether they're shaken or not uh right there you've got uh the the, the, just the pure shaken tokens uh and then like from those and the parry condition tokens come up the most Uh, in my game, have, and I think it includes aim. Uh, it includes uh, darkness, yeah, cover, yeah. all those. Yeah. So uh, I, I originally had the official Litgo set, and when these came out, the 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 token sheet where you know you punch them out, th- it replaced the the Litgo set for me because I love the fact that you know you can have like one wound and then you flip it over and you have shaken one wound. Right. These well, are these wounds. are thick. Uh, these are thick sheets though. And yeah. One thing I would say to folks is if you get these sheets, you definitely want to get two in my opinion i think two will do it for most tables yeah yeah whereas um, i got like four or five because well that's because yeah i mean well, i've done because yeah. i run stupid yeah i run, I run stupid <laughs> large you know, tables let's call it what it is i make fun of you all the time and i get that but in all honesty sean the your giant tables were born of your inability to see people not having fun yes and your inability to to say yeah. um you can't play with us yeah, and, right. and that is an admirable thing. It, it, it might really be is. complete crazy pants because I've seen some of your tables, <laughs> but I've never seen people bored at your tables. Well, that takes some doing, uh, and and I have actually, believe it or not, it's it's funny you say that because I've gotten much better about saying no, uh, but only. Uh, okay, I've got. She's laughing at me. I've gotten a little <laughs> bit better about saying no. I love having your filter in the background. Uh, That's right. But for example, Savage. Our fourth guest is Corinne. Yeah, by the way. we have we have Monday Night Savages over at Total Escape Games, and the, the simple fact is, I did finally get to the point because I was the only one running at first, and now we have two regular games and like constant nice. schedules and cycling GMs because we had to because too many people were showing up, and it was not fair. It isn't fair to run a twelve person table all the time when people are wanting some deeper role play, and I get that because no matter how good you are you're not going to be able to give as much attention to, to 12 people as you can give to six. So right, that's right. You know, for regular campaigning. But yes, I still like at conventions. I like to do the big epic things. And um, there are some interesting techniques that I have developed over the years uh, to handle that. It depends on the nature of the situation. And usually what happens is there'll be smaller tables run throughout the course of the convention uh, with, you know, individual groups doing their own things and then some gigantic finale uh, or else I will just say, okay, everyone, you know, show up and this is going to be the big finale for this storyline, or this is going to be this just epic battle. And I warn people, right. You know, this is going to be a lot of combat and it's going to be kind of like a miniatures game with, with role play, but I still try to employ some techniques so that, uh, things are moving. So what I'll do is like zones and I will have zone captains or table captains. If we split up on multiple tables where there's a, a participant, but I know that they're competent with the rules and they're fair minded people. And I'll say, okay, so you're, here's, a, here's all the bad guys. And here's a, here's a card that has their basic stats. So go ahead and you guys run that little quick thing over here. And you guys are going to do this and here you get to be the table captain and, and quickly run that. And, you know, so while I'm putting, bigger stuff into play i've zoned it out so that you know not everyone's going on the same initiative you know one single round 
it's more okay you guys are running off that deck you guys are running off that deck and you guys are running off that deck so that's one and that's been actually one of my more successful techniques is is splitting it up into zones and letting little zone cat you know letting zone captains mm-hmm. handle the smaller parts of the combat until they're like certain characters start to get through to like the finale piece like there was this one thing i did called the the flaming heart uh, where there was multiple tables, and then as people broke through the lines of the initial bad guys they had to fight, they were showing up in this main valley. Now, that did get a little large after a time, because more people survived and got through than I originally anticipated. But awesome. at least they were all pretty excited about it, and they were really pumped up at that point. And then it's just boom, boom, boom. Uh, another technique I use is like, okay, you five guys are attacking and all of you roll now, right? You know, I'll, I'll like, okay, so who got the highest initiative? You, what'd you get? Okay, so you guys are all going now. Just go ahead and go ahead and roll your attacks and figure out your damage and, and you know, so it's, 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 it's challenging. It's challenging to keep everybody engaged. And you kind of, you know, it's, I, I don't do it as much as I used to. I don't run the gigantic tables like I used to, but uh, when I right. do, Ron, you're right. Trying to keep everybody engaged, and so they're not waiting forever. Um, there's, there's, there's got to be ways to do that. And only one, when it's only one person, one mind, it's a much harder challenge. But if I can do it in a way that keeps folks, you know, okay, that group of theirs handling something. So here's the basics you need to know about that group. Go ahead and handle it, guys. It takes some trust, but it can be done because the game's easy enough and fast enough at, at that, that that basic level of you know here's their, their kill number here's their shaken number you know just roll uh you know that's that can work so one thing i do when i have whenever i have more than eight players at the table um i just completely skip the uh the deck um i i use the deck to see if people draw a joker but in reality what i do is i just have the table going rounds. So in other words, I'll start with the person to my left and then it'll go around to the person to my right. And then the next round, it'll go the other direction. And when you're starting, when you're sitting at 10, 11, 12 players, that just makes a little bit faster. Um, and then you just kind of figure out ways to reward people that have things like quick and level headed or, or, or whatever. You kind of have to play that by ear to make sure nobody's getting their feelings hurt. But um, what, what are some of those ways that you've done that? Well, I mean, specifically, um, I will give um, bonuses. I'll give them a different edge for that particular combat. Um, there, there's been so many things. I'll say, "What do you think is fair to the player?" <laughs> and right. let them mm-hmm. and let them do that. Um, if somebody draws the Joker, like I lay the cards out in front of me instead of, you know, when it's their turn, I flip over the card. If it's a Joker. They still get all their bonuses, that sort of thing. Um, and I will make sure I flip multiple cards uh, when need be, but all the cards just stay in front of me, and I just wait until it's their turn. So, for instance, let's say the three of us are at a table, and I get to you, Christian, and you have um, quick. And I right. I flip the card. It's a three. I'm going to flip another card. And if oh, okay. that's a five or less, I'm going to flip another card. And that oh, yeah, way, that you makes still sense. have the chance of pulling the joker. I mean, that's pretty much standard. Yeah, yeah, like, but yeah. but the reality is, I'll be going around the table. Right, right. Well, so. if you're dealing the cards anyway, it's different though when you have to worry about the cards being out there and people keeping track of their cards, and there's just more 
like wild factors when there's more people at the table. So I don't know. Yeah. One of the issues I've had is where players don't like after they've gone, they don't flip their card over. Yep. And then I, I look across the table and I see like a splay of cards just, you know, all over the table. I'm like, oh, well, we'll see, what are, one of my roles is... I'm not dealing the cards out. I'm, I'm literally flipping the card in front of me to see if anything special happens. Yeah, one of my rules is when you go, you turn your card in. That's the first thing. Don't tell me anything. Just don't start. It over. You turn your right. card in. That way, I me always too. know the cards. The, the cards are coming in first. Um, so and then you, you don't know, have to worry about gathering them if a joker's drawn too. Right. right. So I have markers for hold. Right. I don't bother right. with you turning your card over if you're on hold. I put little markers next to your figure. And if you have a joker and you go joker hold, I put two of the markers. And so that would. And I have two decks, so I cycle the two decks. Yeah. Same um, here. Now, yep. now I was just sitting here thinking about it, and and I don't like always doing the round the table because it means the same two people are going first every time. So I'd either split that up and, and move it around. Like, okay, you're going to go first this time and then go over clockwise that way. So that's one thing. But the other thing I was just thinking for those kinds of things, when you have larger groups, they tend to like to, you know, there's, you're doing a big thing and maybe they're splitting up and like, okay, we're going here and we're going here. You could do it team base, right? So this three, right. these three characters represent a team that's breaking through the front door and those four characters represent a team that's going through the back door. Like, like and, squads. Those, and those two yeah. characters are on overwatch and they're, they're, they're sniping or otherwise attacking from range. Yep. And okay. So, you know, does anybody in that squad have, you know, card modifier? Well, then the, that group gets to benefit from the card modifier. So you're just doing cards by squads as opposed to cards by, individuals that that could be another way to go right because you know, it's the same thing like for the allies right if a, if a player is running a main character and he has five allies those allies get the benefit of whatever card he draws too i mean Very that, true. That, that's been established so not a really big deal if if corinne draws a joker and then two people who are on her team they will congratulations that team got the joker bonus which you know synergy why not so that's right, a way right. to go and i may actually experiment with that uh even though i don't so I'm saying I don't like the way you were originally describing it, but it made me think of a way I do like. <laughs> there you go. And that's that's why we all run it differently, right? Right. Yeah. Difference between rulings and rules. So you touched on something that actually I also wanted to bring up. And um, th- this got me thinking because it was, a re- it was actually the, the one of the recent episodes of uh, Gaming and BS where they talked about late- latency in RPG combat. Right. So you know, keeping people engaged, making sure it keeps moving quickly. Etc. All the things that we're talking about here, right? And um, you know, so one technique I've used, um, and they mentioned this even is I, I've used a sand timer. I don't employ it immediately uh, to begin with. Um, if it just happens, like if somebody's like kind of hemming and hawing about what they're trying to do, and uh, I don't know, you know, what, where's, yeah. where's this and da da, then I'm like, okay, here's a sand timer, you know, and I use a thirty second one, so I'm very liberal with the time. There's smaller ones you can get ten seconds or whatever, um, and if by that point they haven't um you know they haven't decided what they want to do they're just immediately on hold well yeah i'm a big fan and, of that too uh and yeah I, i'm actually if i've got a large enough group where things are going slow enough for people are starting to get i can tell you, know, you can read the mood of a table you can tell yeah. when people are starting to look at their phones or whatever it's a lot like um, djing um i will uh you know i wouldn't go to sand but i say okay look we, we got to really get moving so uh, are you ready? And they're like, uh, 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 and I'll like, you know, I used to do fingers up, but which I like throw my hand up with five fingers and I drop my fingers down. Right. I'll still occasionally do that. I'll, I'll try not to be a jerk about it, but like, okay guys, cause we got to really move. Okay. So do me a favor. I'm going to put you on hold. Then you think about what you want to do and I'll move it. So I agree with that. The overall put them on hold technique. That's a beautiful thing about Savage Worlds and games that have that kind of mechanic Yeah. that, that readily and fairly handles the concept of a character being on hold. Because some some systems don't, right? They they right. mess with the initiative. Like, okay, now your initiative is orders changed, and that just changes everything, and that feels weird to people. But okay, you're just on hold for this round, and that's it. And then next round, it's all different. 
um, I think that really works very well. So I agree with you about the the, the concept of the latency. Uh, another thing that I feel helps with the latency, um, you know, and uh, I've been pushing I've been pushing myself more and more to go ahead and make this just a visual role is to allow a certain amount of talk in character, not out, but in character. Uh, you know, off turn. So like, it's not my turn, right? Well, that doesn't mean you can't speak. So I try to keep players engaged by, they can still role play. They can still talk to each other while someone's taking an action, right? I was, I was, it's, you know, been like five cards since my turn, but I can still say something either over the radio or out loud or yell or whatever. Anybody who's read a comic book gets that concept, right? Exactly. So trying to keep <laughs> them talking and interacting, you know, and shouting out, no, no, wait, go do this thing. Or, you know, I'm with you. Or just in some way or another, right. uh, keeping the players engaged. The only, you got to be careful with not letting people just suddenly the game stops because everyone's talking in the middle of a six second combat round. So they're just right. They're having a whole conversation, you know, as you know, opposed to just a warning. For so, example. you know, it's like you know. a few quips, uh, a quick set of instructions, uh, you know, but you're not doing the Gettysburg address on your turn. So, you know, that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's important, but I think, I think allowing role play and encouraging the role play while combat's going is incredibly important to addressing that latency issue you're talking about. Yeah. And, and and going back to the whole thing, one the other benefit of that is, let's say the person wasn't paying attention or something to that effect. Well, guess what they're doing now? They're paying attention because now they're going to want to figure out when they want to go back into the game. Right. And they want to figure out what they're going to do next when they go back into the game. Right. See, and now, much Shane, Shane Hensley is ruthless. He will count down and your turn is gone. I was going to mention that. <laughs> one, two, three. Next. Yeah. You know, it was like, yeah. going once, going twice, see you next round. Right. <laughs> so Shane and I don't agree on <laughs> on certain GM techniques, right? Uh, but he's also often running horror games, right? He's running. Yep. He he's wants running, that tension. <clears throat> he's running games where, yeah, it's it, you know, it, it's a matter of tension. So I get that. And if I were running a game where I was like, if you 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 snoo, you know, it's like you're going to die if you don't hurry up. You know, this is the middle of bullets flying. It's like World War, weird war horror or whatever. Uh, I see a benefit in that. You know, it's not how I'm going to run, uh, but honestly. Uh, I'm kind of glad we're having this conversation because I've noticed I've started slacking off on some of my techniques a little bit recent, recently, and I've noticed that the latency issue has impacted my players, you know, and 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 their fr- frustrations because there's so many people want to play, for example, on the Savage Star Wars game that I'm running that you, know, you frequently got eight or nine players at that table now, and I've really because it's Star Wars, man, it's got to be boom, 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 we got to go, 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 it's got to be, yeah. it's got to be hard. So I think I really am going to start pushing more on the if you you you're ready to go, if you're not ready to go, you're on hold. Um, as simple as that. You well, know, I think on hold is the good is the good uh, like middle ground type of thing to do. Yeah. But I'm I'm going to answer with a big fat. It depends. Yeah. Because <laughs> I oh, mean, wait, if yeah. you're looking for the tension, you're chopping out, man. Three, two, one. <laughs> Take a stance. Go. Well, again, I know I, I I completely agree with him, and it depends if I'm it does. if I'm running yeah. a dangerous eldritch horror, or you know, it's you know the, the midst of a pitched battle in the middle of World Weird War One. Uh, I'm sorry, shell shock, right? Next, you know, try to come out of it by next round. Um, yep. you know, and, uh, I won't, I won't, I'll tell you right now, one of my picadillos, uh, and my, my daughter's across the way, uh, you know, looking at her computer, she has been an offender. She's not the worst offender, but she has been an offender of, you know, looking at her phone during game, you know, checking out whatever Facebook or t- texting or something like that. And if somebody's doing that, and they don't know what they're doing, and they're not paying attention. I'm more than happy to take their turn away from them. Then, so right. you know, that's that's one thing. I just, I mean, I pretty much forbid use of, of of devices unless it is because they're using it for the game. Like you know, 
character, you know, reference or, or book reference, something like that. I don't, I, yeah, I you encourage have notes that. or something. Yeah. You have your powers noted on a, but if know, they're, if they're doing, you know, candy crush or texting or whatever, no, uh-uh. I'm sorry. That's yeah. not going to fly at my table. And you, you yeah. know, if I, if, if, you know, either no, you're there, you're, you're there to be engaged and you're, and if you're not engaged, you're, you're kind of wasting people's time. Right. So I tell mm-hmm. I judge people and if they didn't get it or they thought they, you know, it's not going to matter because I've been waiting for so long. Now, granted, I also take that on me or if they, if I'm making them wait so long that they just can't help it, they, you know, then I've, I've, I need to address that too. But still I consider it disrespectful both to myself and to the other players who are trying to stay engaged. So bunch of back and forth on that one but you know i for bigger tables and more people it's definitely i used to be it was a joke way back when i actually ran like a 13 to 15 player champions game a few years ago when i was living in southern california now champions is not one of those games that handles lots of players well and you just finished Uh, the first round of combat yesterday yeah yeah well no actually i i became (laughs) famous for running it fairly effectively but uh dave berg was the one that said that you know i I really admire that you do this but it's because you have the el duce style of jamming when you do which is you know i I, that's where i developed the fingers up it's like uh and there was no hold it was fingers up okay you have to wait till next round uh and i mean i was just hardcore now i've Recently, you know, one, because I am now recognized as an official Pinnacle guy. So when I'm running games in public, which at the game store or whatever, even if they're long-term campaigns, it's still public. It's still people who know me primarily from the gaming side of things as opposed to just my closest friends. Uh, and even what is my closest friends, right? It's supposed to be fun. You know, don't be a jerk, right? right, want to right. Have a good time. So you've got to ameliorate these things between, you know, not being a bad guy and causing bad feelings and stuff like that. At the same time, respecting the time and effort that the other players are putting in and not letting them be sit, you know, waiting because this one person is refusing to go. So you got to really balance those two. So I, I have another, uh, question regarding miniatures combat um which is what we were originally supposed to be talking about anyway yeah yeah no no it's and it's fine uh, but it, but it's specifically when you're dealing with like large like numbers of of opponents um like for example i i had a situation where i was running I, i'm running a zombie campaign right now and uh, and had like i don't know like 30 zombies on the table right something, surrounding a building they're trying to get out to you know get to a car or whatever and um and of course, you know, zombies move slow. So I'm like, I'm sitting here like counting these, you know, the pace of four, four squares for every like zombie. And, I'm like, and I realize I, this is, I'm wasting time, right? So halfway through it, I'm just like shoving them into, you know, kind of guesstimating the distance. How have you handled that? And especially with large, you know, large players, even, well, I guess players, it doesn't matter. They, they do their own. Well, here's the thing, right? Cause I, even when I'm running you now a two, standard six, maybe eight player game i still yeah. love filling the table with enemies um, right you know, i love right. it i have the miniatures of, you know let's let's make it look impressive um for one thing i have the players help me right okay you guys grab those guys and, and help me move them right or, or you know but one of the easiest techniques in the world i've discovered is you you know, if you've got them arrayed in some sort of a pile you take like the f- three to five guys in the front of that group and you go ahead and quickly count them and then you just shove everybody up behind Slide. them the others behind that's what right. i started so doing. they yeah. sort of move as a swarm at that point anyway mm-hmm. um so that that's an easy one for smaller groups and for larger groups you know like okay there's 30 guys and they're pouring out of these different buildings and they're charging at you guys you are over here i'll just everybody around the table you know grab you know pick a, a zone it's like okay you know help me guys they're all moving you know here's their run dying ah they basically rolled two so they're all moving eight towards you so you just go move all help me get all these managers moved eight or those the innocents need to get off the board okay everybody roll the innocents okay the innocents are moving nine so everybody move the innocents to the clo- you know the fastest way they can get off the board and just right. getting the players to help 
right? If I have one player in particular who's doing a lot of it, right, because they just have to be perfectly positioned at the table, I usually throw them a Benny nice. uh, for, for helping me, uh, helping yeah. me uh, enough times. Uh, so it just uh, letting the players help play with the toys, you know, helps a lot. But again, the the technique for the zombies, right, because just, I've just done that recently. I had zombies and skeletons, and I'm like, okay, so here's you know, these three guys have moved here. Okay, you, uh, Jim, help me out. Go ahead and move all the other guys just up behind them. And boom, that's it. They're, they're handling that. I'm moving on to the next thing. Right. So that that, yeah. that is my that, that is my thing there. Now, as far as like attacks, um, all right, these five zombies are attacking. They all have D6 fighting. I roll 5D6, right? right. And, you right. know, I already know. Well, it's, you know, so you, there's, there's definitely uh, things to do. Now, I've, I've heard people uh, who, who, will use a group role for attack. And I don't think that's right. Um, that ends up not really being fair, right? Cause you can no, do... And I feel the same way about um, like any defensive roles as well. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think individually it's important, you know, it takes a little bit more time, but you know, you're looking for fours or not. It's, it's pretty mm-hmm. easy to do that. And I can, pretty I, much. I can, I can do that fairly quickly. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if, it's you know there now there's there are critical points right okay God we're running out of time we're we're not we, we and this battle's not going to end anytime soon then then I will then I'll take some shortcuts and the players yeah. will understand that at that point I'm taking the shortcuts not to cheat them because we've got to get through this and I want some sort of a satisfying resolution as opposed to no resolution and I think again too like, like you know, we were talking about earlier about the quick combat rules if if this isn't like a really significant combat sequence it might be just a good idea to just go to switch over to those quick combat rules right. Uh, yeah, uh, that is something that uh, I have only just really started experimenting with. It was mostly I was just being kind of a curmudgeon about it. But now that right. I've discovered it, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, that would work. And that would actually resolve a lot of the situations that I've had in the past where I always had to just narrate an ending. So um, I think you're right. I think that's something I'm going to start relying much more heavily on in those situations. There's a combat in the original Rippers campaign. Um, in one of the savage tales um, involving uh, Marie Laveau and about 30 zombies in a graveyard. And um, one of the, it's one of the combats that won my, um, my wife over to Savage Worlds because there were 36 minutes, 36 minis on the table. And it was a 45 minute combat, which that's. Is, unheard of in most systems pretty impressive yeah, yeah. i think um, it's one of the things that sold a lot of people on savage rules when they realized totally it. totally right. um so great tips on that sean um really, i remember really killer and i'm not i'm not trying to like you know call out anybody on on, on the gm hangout but i remember there was a conversation one time where uh, jib and i uh, i mentioned the sand timer concept and he's you know he's like 30 seconds is too much you know like that's you know you gotta imagine i have this many players and, dah, 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 and that's like 25 minutes of combat and i'm like do you remember D twenty? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I, I I will I will say that uh, you know, like I said again, just let your players help you move the minute move the miniatures. Be willing to eyeball it. I mean, I completely agree with you on that one, uh, uh, Christian. I've I've certainly done that a, a few times. It's like. Uh, I hell with it. These guys are just over here, you know. And and yeah. if you do it in the right way, in the right spirit, and you're not doing it in a way that overwhelms the players because you're just you know ro- ro- steamrolling them, then you know that's uh, no. that's 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 perfectly fine. But the thing is, all those miniatures on the table can be so exciting. People love looking at the visual 
you know, we all still love toys, right? As far as I'm concerned. Yep, yeah. And that's why it's so cool, especially if the right toys, right? You could, yeah. the, there's the main bad guy. Ah, oh, he's like got the cool paint job. And, you know, here's all these you know, minions you got to fight through to get to the main bad guy. I mean, it just, it creates an extra special sense of fun yeah. uh, to me anyway. And I've noticed a lot of my players seem to appreciate that. You know, and the other element too, and um, about using miniatures in combat, uh, I really, again, going back to the tactical thing, um, hazards. So in a combat, you know, if somebody threw a Molotov cocktail or something like that or, or used a, a fire-based power, well, guess what? Now something's on fire, Yep. right? And guess what? Now there's smoke filling the room. Yep. And, oh, and somebody's going to try to put that fire out with some sort of ice-based power, right? Yep. Well, now there's, now there's ice on the floor, you know? Um, I think those are all things that you're able to draw it out. You're able to position where it's located, and it adds – um, I think an interesting complexity to the combat scenario. As a side note, those Paizo flip mats are awesome in as much as you can draw on them yes. and then erase yeah. them. Uh, so oh, I, I, I love them. You don't have to sell me on them. I love them. Yeah, well, I'm saying it for, for, for the listeners. You know, if you oh, yeah, yeah, if yeah. You have not looked at the Paizo flip mats, one, I got the subscription. It was well worth it. Best best subscription I've ever made in my life. Um, but certainly you see them in a lot of stores and, and, and just all props to Paizo. Uh, and the funny thing is, I take at least some credit, at least if you're listening and I'm, I'm completely wrong and you it just happened to be that way. Uh, tell me, but I remember early on a conversation I had with Lisa um, that I loved the pre-done maps that were done for Dragon and Dungeon magazine, especially Dungeon, right? Right. And yeah. I, was, I had been collecting the hell out of them, and I said, "God, any of those maps I can get." If she want, and this was back when I was working for Gamma, she sent me just out of, out of the blue. She sent me this package full of everyone that she could find a copy of them, just as wow. a very nice, sweet, wonderful, always for forever. And I still have most of them uh, awesome. gesture. And then not long after that, I started seeing the Paizo flip mats. I'm like, oh my God, yes, this is what I've been begging for. And they started selling, yeah. and now they're a thing. So, And Pig's uh, uh, selling maps. I, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Oh, God, I love those things, man. Mm-hmm. They, 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 there's so many brilliant ones that have come out from them as well. The stuff yeah. that uh, the stuff that came out for uh, Noir, for Deadland Noir, Noir uh-huh. uh, Really, I have for, the Lankmar ones too. Those are Lank, pretty awesome. Yeah. The uh, Lankmar ones, pretty cool. Yeah, they. Uh, the, I haven't got the Lankmar ones yet. Those are ones I really want. Um, uh, but I got the Weird War Rome ones. I got the um, the Noir ones. So yeah, pipe, uh, and they're they're on the same principle. You can draw on those things, so it's yeah. very easy to draw those hazards you're talking about. Exactly. And the exactly. players appreciate it. They they really really appreciate it. They do because uh, then it's like okay I know where the fire is I know where the ice is I know what's going on I can see this I can I can I can plan my actions around that. Yeah, yeah, and I remember the uh, even back in the day before the flip mats became popular, um, Wizards of the Coast was doing they were doing those uh, for third edition those short adventures with the folded maps inside of them. Um, I forgot what they're fantastic locations. That's right. What they were. And uh, and I, I bought every single one of them and I would take them to a Kinkos and have them laminated specifically you know just for that yeah i've got a lot of the older ones that i i really should laminate because they're starting to get torn yeah hang, hang on just a second corinne mentioned something corinne what do you say oh the etu ones. Yeah. yeah those are also brilliant for modern day supers and everything else mm-hmm. yeah that's true that's true all right well sean thank you so much for being with us it's been awesome uh it's kind of a uh kind of a i don't know a flashback for me being on the show <laughs> <with you. laughs> It has been a long time, and uh, oh, by the way, I'm gonna punch you in the junk. Just so that you are not gonna punch me in the junk. Well, you know, like I said, the you listeners... just want to get close to my junk. It has nothing to do with punching. Yes, I want to get close. <laughs> to you. I can't punch it. Excellent, Chris. Oh, it's like listening to Smiling Jacks again. Or yeah, there you go. And you get to be involved, right? 
I know. Now, now I want to go get like, Vern on the mic. All right. So oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> next we, next time. We got to do that. Absolutely. I think it is yes. time to wrap it up though, because it's it's uh, this is going to be a good size show, uh, which our listeners have been asking for. So uh, leave it to Sean Fannin to make sure your show goes longer. <laughs> Right. Well, no. So, so to speak to that, uh, you know, we we had a, a podcast survey up, and one of the things that we've gotten back as feedback was that people really liked Simply Savage. It's it's yep. actually pretty popular, and um, but what they wanted is they wanted more frequency and they wanted um, longer format because we're trying to do the short format thing. It's like we want more. So this is our first uh, hour length version of of Simply Savage, and this is and, us uh, playing around with more. So yes, there you go. Yes, indeed. Well, cool. uh, guys, I enjoyed it, and uh, Ron, it was fantastic being on with you again, Christian. Actually, it's not our first time being on together either, and uh, That's right. guys, yep. anytime, you know I enjoy it. I love talking about this stuff, and I love talking to you. Thank you, awesome. Sean. Well, thanks, folks, for listening. Be sure to visit the SBN website at savagebloggers.net, uh, where we have uh, links to the aggregated uh, SBN feeds and our YouTube channel and podcast subscription links and all that great stuff. If you enjoy our show and want to support us, check out our Patreon page. Uh, we also have a PayPal donation link on our website, and both of which obviously um, are much appreciated, and, and thank you in advance. And there's really cool stuff that you can get on Patreon right now. Anybody that uh, uh, supports us in March is going to get a PDF copy of Winter Eternal, uh, which is super exciting. And so whatever you do until next time, Keep it fast, furious, and fun. And uh, Christian, thanks for being with us. And same to you, Sean. Rock on, play on. Thank you, Ron. <laughs>